0: Six
1: feet
0: with Daniel Baker. Welcome in. My name is Daniel Baker. Here on a beautiful, and finally, when I say beautiful this time, Adam, you know it's actually true. I'm along with my co-host for the afternoon, Adam Lowenstein. Stats, Adam. How you doing this beautiful sunny afternoon? Doing
2: very well today. It's just a nice day out here in St. Louis as well. And just looking forward to talking about the Celtics and have a nice
0: show. And that's good to hear that it's really nice outside where you are. I got to take in the cherry blossoms earlier this afternoon. It was pretty nice. Not many cherry blossoms out, which a lot of people are kind of, whoa, where are the cherry blossoms? They're supposed (laughs) to come out like a week or two ago. Normally, they didn't come out. They are supposed to come out this week. They really haven't too much. There were a lot of people, though. Um, It was just just really nice. Um, And... With the cherry blossoms, I always think about spring. I think blossom, I think hope. And I mean, with, with baseball season getting underway just about a weekend now, that's also about hope at the beginning of the season. The Celtics, though, boy, do they need any kind of hope. Just got some good news earlier this afternoon. Sean Grande tweeted out that both Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett are going to play in this game. So that's very hopeful for the Celtics' chances of beating the Washington Wizards tonight. They're at home. The game's at 6 o'clock. That's why we're on air early right now. We're live until 6 o'clock tonight for the next hour. Stay with us on this episode of the Celtics Beat. But again, with Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett, you have to think finally that's going to improve the chances of the Celtics winning because Kevin Garnett's been out for about seven eight games now.
2: Yeah, he had a brief stint where he was able to come back for a game or two. The problem was that then the inflammation flared back up, and the Celtics knew they needed him to get some rest. It's important for him to rest, and this, if anything, was the time to do it because you didn't want to creep it up even closer to the playoffs because if you're going to do that, you're going to lose any cohesion that this team can possibly get over these last few weeks, these last six games. Kevin Garnett, the Celtics, have him back in the lineup. That'll be huge. The Celtics are about eight points worse per 100 possessions on the defensive end. It is a huge difference between him off the floor and him on the floor. Also, 4% difference in the defensive rebounding. You gotta have him in the lineup. You gotta have him playing 35 minutes a game in the playoffs. That's the huge thing. They just haven't played that well recently. They've run into a few bad games because they weren't able to step
0: up. The Celtics, are looking to solidify their spot in the 7th seed in the Eastern Conference playoffs. They are in that 7th seed. They're two games above Milwaukee, above the 8th seed. And all of the playoff teams are set in the Eastern Conference. All laid lay them just where they're going to be, except Miami, who clinched the East even last week when we were talking about that. We'll take a look into the future, towards the end of the show. I do want to tell you, coming up in just about 10, 12 minutes from now, we're going to have Dave Zirin as our special guest today. He is the host of Edge of Sports. It's a really great radio show. You can listen to that on Sirius XM Fridays from 4 to 5. The channel number is escaping me. I should know because I'm his producer. But he's going to join the show. He's also an author. He recently came out with a book. um, And it's about just like sports and politics. Where they collide. What happens when the two mix. Because he's also a Washingtonian. So that means... He is a Wizards fan, and my love fest, Adam, you know I just love John Wall. I love him so much. He's a great player. I think he's a max guy. I want to get Dave's take coming up. If you want to follow Dave on Twitter, it's at Edge of Sports. He just came out with his book, Game Over, How Politics Has Turned the Sports World Upside Down. we we'll are excited to talk to him in about 10 minutes. But right now, turning the Celtics world upside down has really been their play without Kevin Garnett. And it has been pretty. This past week, we'd like to take a look back in this first part of the show. Lost to the Timberwolves by 10 points because Pekovic, one of my favorite fantasy sleepers from last year, scored 29 points. Then Jeff Green saved them with a 34-point performance against Detroit on Wednesday. So the Celtics were 1-1 at that point on the week. And then they just most recently lost to Cleveland At home, by six points on Friday night. Yes, no Paul Pierce. Yes, no Kevin Garnett. But that was not a very pretty loss.
2: Yeah, Tristan Thompson had a game of the ages as far as playing against the Celtics. The Celtics haven't let up that many points, that many rebounds, and a 9-for-9 night at the free throw line since Alonzo Mourning in the early 1990s. So, really, a frustrating performance by this Celtics team because the Cavaliers are obviously one of the worst teams in the league. You know, you had Kyrie Irving back in the lineup, but the problem was he wasn't looking too good. He was still uh, you know, showing ill effects of his injury. So, that's really where it came down to. And, you know, Paul Pierce is a huge part of this team as well. The problem is when you're looking at a Celtics team without its two biggest stars, and then you throw in Rondo, that's your three biggest stars, and then Jared Sellinger, your best rebounder. You're looking at a team that is an all second unit and then an all third unit. It's a huge difference. Paul Pierce huge impact on the offensive end. I just talked about Kevin Garnett. The Celtics are about five and they're five and six this season without Kevin Garnett. And then you throw in you throw out Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce. The Celtics are about five and a half points worse on the offensive end per 100 possessions without Pierce on the floor. So you can't allow yourself to get down to a team that is so bad as Cleveland. But they have the big men in there. They don't have that many big men, but Tristan Thompson was able to lead in points, lead in rebounds, and then Kyrie Irving dished off some nice assists, even though he didn't shoot very well. Cavs were able to sneak one out there in Boston.
0: And it's hard to look at the injuries, at least for me when I'm looking back just at this game against the Cavs, because Kyrie Irving was in just his second or third game back from being out for eight straight games. So he's been battling injuries all year. As well, Dion Waders their second best scorer, their first over, uh, their first draft pick this past uh, in this past draft. He was out. He's been out for a while. He's done for the season. Barrow obviously is out. So essentially, top second top three scores, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean Irving obviously played, but he's been banged out. So their top three scores either weren't in there or were severely limited. And then you have Thompson, who came into the game averaging eleven and a half and about nine rebounds a game, and then just, as you said, just had a monster performance. So that dropped the Celtics to one and two. They have a chance to go two and two this week, and more importantly, just pick up another win to stay clear of the Bucks. because just a couple of weeks ago, we were looking at the playoff picture, the Celtics in this seventh seed or so, and I said, wow, there's plenty of games, 12, maybe 15 games left. They have time, if they want, to keep going up in the standings, and I mean, mathematically, even like the third or fourth seconds, he wasn't even out, and then the Knicks got hot, and the Celtics really just, they've been struggling, to say the least.
2: Yeah, I completely agree. Three and seven in their last ten games, that is the Boston Celtics, wow, the Knicks were able to get a big win today, their 12th straight victory, I think they did clinch The Atlantic Division title, or they are very close, and their first one since the early 90s, bringing back those old times a lot this early. (laughs) And that would
0: actually end the Celtics' run of five straight Atlantic Division titles basically every single year that Kevin Garnett had been in Boston, and this is the first that they haven't.
2: Yeah, and you knew either it was going to be the Nets or the Knicks now that after the Celtics were struggling to say the least, you know, right now, and their road struggles have been bad. But then you see that game on Friday. It's just frustrating. But Avery Bradley just received word that he will be in the starting lineup tonight. Then you also are adding, obviously, as we talked about, Pearson Garnett. This bodes well because you have the – the Celtics have the tiebreaker over the Hawks. They're two games behind, six games left for the Celtics. They have a chance. They have a small chance, but a chance to say because you're looking at the end of the season and – You're looking at a Miami game where they may sit guys. You're looking at an Indiana Pacers team that if they keep dropping, they're going to be stuck in that third seed. They may sit guys in that second-to-last game of the season. And then you have a cupcake in Orlando on Saturday night on the second night of a back-to-back, hopefully after Miami sits players. And then you have Toronto as most likely. You know They're they're definitely okay, but not that great of a team. The Celtics do have a chance at moving up, but it will be tough.
0: And even if they don't move up at the end of the day, I think you still got to look about getting ready for the playoffs and getting – Some momentum under your belt, because that's really important too, especially with Cameron Garnett out for so long. He comes back tonight. We'll see what he can do, get back into swinging things. He doesn't need to play maybe more than 20, 25 minutes a night. But he really does need to get back in the swing of things, and they do need to get some offensive continuity, even defensive continuity, because Kevin Garnett has been out. And really, it's been a struggle on the defensive end. You mentioned that they give up eight more points a game on the defensive end without Garnett. So he obviously impacts the game on so many levels. There's a guy who has been stepping up, though, for the Celtics while Kevin Garnett has been out. He's been in the starting lineup, I believe now, eight straight games after the Cleveland game, and... Really, some very strong performances for the Celtics. Jeff Green, earlier this week against Detroit, he had 34 points, also 6 rebounds, and 4 blocks. Count them all 4 for Jeff Green. Don't usually see him doing that all that much, but Jeff Green, 34 points. I believe after that game, you might. I think it was you who said that it was his third 30-point game of the season, and before the season, he only had 3 for his entire career beforehand.
2: I'm pretty yeah I I don't I'm not sure I remember saying it but thank you I appreciate it. Um, that was a huge performance by Jeff Green and he's had some great games recently and I've been looking at his statistics as a starter. 12 games this season, 26 points is his average in those games. 57% from the field, 55% from three points. This guy's up in the higher rankings as far as if you put these throughout a season, you're putting him near the top of the NBA in both of those. Also averaging about six free throws a game as far as attempts compared to less than three when he's coming off the bench. And these minutes, they're different. You know, I understand 38 minutes, I think about 25 minutes if you look at his bench. But when you score that many more points, when you're scoring in the starting lineup, you say that that is definitely his rhythm. And he's getting into it. And it's great to see that this guy can carry a team, not since he wasn't able to carry a team, I don't think since college. And he's been able to do it recently, but, you know, you have to have, some weapons around him because this Celtics team around him, except for, I would say, Brandon Bass at times, who has been pretty good recently, has been failing the team because this Celtics team has just looked pretty poor recently without their stars.
0: Jason Terry, Courtney Lee, just a couple of guys who really have struggled with their shot, not necessarily all season. Well, you can make a case all season. They've both been very underwhelming from the field in terms of what the Celtics were hoping to get in terms of what both those players have done Throughout their careers, you mentioned the 26-point average for Jeff Green. That would put him fifth in the league. That would put him above James Harden, above Russell Westbrook, Steph Curry, Wade, all those guys. It would be right under LeBron, Kobe, Carmelo, and Durant. As Durant and Anthony are battling out for the scoring title, percentage points ahead is Durant. And to be honest, I really kind of hope that he gets it because at the moment, he's on pace to probably play every single game this season. And I'm not uh, not to necessarily blame injuries on anything or or, or take away what Carmelo has done, but if you miss about 15 games in the season, I think you should kind of give it to the guy if they're tied in percentage points pretty close. Give it to the guy who played every single game. Come on. Just why not? (laughs) And that will put him in some elite company where players leading the league in scoring. Only Michael Jordan and I believe Will Chamberlain led the league at least four years in a row in scoring.
2: Yeah, that would be really impressive. And, you know, you really, when you look at a guy that, like that who can really score and can play so many games, and that's when you have an impressive player. But he is young, so that's why he's able to do that. It's just an interesting situation when it comes to the scoring title because do you want to play every game? Do you want to put yourself in a position that an A2-game season you know wears you down? And then when you're around game 100 near the, middle, near the middle of the playoffs, you're running down,
0: and then you still have to carry the team, and it's a little tough. And the most interesting thing about, I guess, what the um b- between their battle with Carmelo Anthony and Kevin Durant for that scoring title, because obviously the Knicks are, are set up so that they really need scoring from him, and he put up a huge game, thirty six points against the Thunder today. The Knicks won one hundred twenty five to one twenty in a shootout. I've teams' defense, uh, will we'll say optional. Uh, but we saw last season how the Spurs came into the playoffs very hot. They won 20 games in a row before going two up on the Thunder and then losing four games in a row. So is this something maybe that the Knicks could even benefit from, from losing a game before they head into the playoffs?
2: I've always been a proponent of losing a few games near the end of the Strago season because then you're not thinking about any streaks or anything like that. I don't know why, but it just allows, maybe as a fan more than a player, because I've never been on that type of stage, you know, you kinda need to get that feeling because then you don't have to worry about playing every minute and playing and to worry about the streak, even in the regular season. So say, you know, remember when the Spurs had that streak and I think it ended at twenty games last mm-hmm. postseason, that kinda weighs down on you, and then you lose four straight to the Thunder. It really does not in the past, no team really can be able to carry a regular season streak into the playoffs. Like, a team can do that at the end of the college basketball season with a tournament or something like that, you know, a conference tournament into the NCAA one. But I think that that's where you want – if you're a Knicks fan, you don't really want every win down the stretch, down the stretch here.
0: And one guy who's been so hot of late, John Wall of the Wizards, just dropped 37 points in a 104-85 victory in Indiana – or, excuse me, at home against the Pacers. He did that yesterday, 38 minutes, 37 points – Four rebounds, five assists, two blocks, two steals. Just on our own. Very, very good game. When we come back, we're going to talk about John Wall. Does he deserve a max contract? We're also going to talk with Dave Zirin, host of Edge of Sports and renowned author about his hometown Wizards and the NBA in general. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back on the Celtics beat.
3: Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of Celticstown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you Celticstown, king of the court, every Monday night.
1: If Jeff Green
2: grabs a rebound, run up court with it, just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy Heinsohn proud because I know he loves that style of play.
3: Careless whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Chamberlain hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NPA rivalry where you're going to hate LeBron James for the next seven years, and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the block party with CLNS locker room reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights.
2: I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not gonna yeah. compare
3: him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at CLNS Radio, Celtics blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable. How much Jeff Green? means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celtics Blog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you the Garden Report, the only HD post-game show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticsBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post-game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771 and if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com.
1: clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
0: Now, welcome
2: to the Celtics.
0: Now, welcome back to the Celtics for joining us. My name is Daniel Baker, and I'm alongside my co-host for the afternoon, Stat that I'm Adam Lowenstein. Thanks as always for joining me on a Sunday, and we're also very pleased and honored to be welcomed by Dave Zirin, host of Edge Sports Radio Show. You can hear that on SiriusXM, and also most recently author of Game Over: How Politics Has Turned the Sports World Upside Down, and also a big Wizards fan. Dave, thanks so much for joining us. How are you doing today?
1: Oh, hey, great to be here, Dan. Thanks for having
0: me. Uh, We'll go right into the Wizards, and it's really nice that he had such a great game because I just have a huge love affair with John Wall. I think he's fantastic. I think that he was definitely deserving of a number one overall pick. I think he's deserving of a max contract. Just dropped 37 points and almost helped lead the Wizards to a 20-point win over the Pacers, who I think might be the best team... A team with the best chance to beat the Heat in the playoffs. This guy has just been so impressive uh, this season coming back from injury. What do you think about John Wall? Does he Should the Wizards give him a max contract? And also, do you think they will?
1: Well, max contract, I think they should give him the highest possible contract that he might be able to command on the open market. Because of the new collective bargaining agreement, there are far less max contracts being handed out, far more contracts that are in the Stephon Curry range uh million, $12 million a year. But I think they should pay him whatever it takes to keep him. That might not be a max contract, though, and that would be a very good thing for the Wizards, give them more cap flexibility, give them the chance to add more parts. But whatever it takes to keep John Wall, they should do, because in the span of 30, 40 games, he has turned the perspective on him from number one bust, Kwame Brown 2.0, David Falk disses him, and all the rest of it, to being the leader of the second-best defense in the NBA and now right back in the discussion of one of the best young point guards in the game.
0: And his maturation has been very impressive because he missed so much of the season. He said, I I just got the feeling that off the court he matured and really brought it to the court, being a leader, and also he's expanding his game. He's got much more range than we ever envisioned. Still, obviously, not much of a three-point threat, but it doesn't seem to matter. Because every so often, he's put up 37 points, a couple nights ago, 27, dropped 47 against Memphis and what was maybe one of the best performances of anyone this entire season. You know, make make, make no the mistake, battles.
1: though. But, but, Dan, Dan, John Wall still needs a three-point shot. He still needs to work on it in the offseason. I don't think you can be a successful, top-notch point guard in the NBA if you don't have at least an average three-pointer, and yes, I'm also talking about Rajon Rondo here, but I think that John Wall needs to start to see Kyrie Irving as his competition, as the person who uh, basically the Darren Williams to his Chris Paul or the Chris Paul to his Darren Williams from about uh, seven years ago. And let's remember what Kyrie Irving just did. He just won the three-point contest. At the All Star game. And I think John, there's no reason why John Wall, given his athleticism, uh, given his coordination, can't will himself into being a better shooter, which he really does need to be to go to the next level. But beyond all that, and beyond this discussion, what's so impressive about John Wall is we forget sometimes that this is a person who was never really challenged athletically or from a basketball perspective in his life. I mean, he was the top recruit at a high school, one year at Kentucky number one pick in the NBA, there, there, was, there was nothing there to really challenge him to take it to the next level. He'd never been doubted. He'd never had to come back. And now here he is, the first time he's ever faced adversity about his entire, let's face his entire existence. as mm-hmm. a good bas- all, all his life, all he's known is, I'm John Wall, I'm a great basketball player. And for the first time in his life, this injury period, the question was, wow. Maybe he's not. Maybe he's just a piece, as as DC Sports Radio said over and over again. And I, I love the fact that he's responded to this adversity so strongly and really positioned the Wizards to have a ton of hope going into next season.
2: Hey Dave, this is Stats Adam here, and I'm looking at the team as a whole here, you know, stepping out from Wall, and they had a great defense even before Wall came in, and then he's helped this defense stay strong. They're the fifth best defensive efficient team in the league this season, and Mm -hmm. I can't believe it. No one can believe it. What can you say about this defense and how that can help going towards next season?
1: Well, first and foremost, the defense was very good before Wall came back, and it's been utterly outstanding since he has come back. So before wall, very, very good after wall, another level, utterly outstanding. Now, why was it so good? Two reasons. One, let's say defense is about scheme and effort. So all the credit in the world to Randy Whitman, I mean, keeping his players playing D when they're what, like five and 25. I mean, the, the record was, was comically bad. Worst record in the East by far. And not only did the players not quit, quit on him, but they actually, they up the intensity. They played terrific D. That's the first thing. The second thing is, you know, the the whole Twin Towers thing, like when they're able to get their bigs on the court at the same time, and Nene and Okafor and even switching in Kevin Serafin, I mean, it's a lot of big bodies. It's a lot of people willing to clang and bang. And in Okafor, you have someone who's, you know, I think, been consistently underrated throughout his career as a rebounder and a defender. And it's a, it's a nice meshing of parts, and I, I thought I thought I was seeing this last year because in Nene, for the first time in John Wall's career, you had someone who could both have his back on the defensive end and someone he could throw it into the post with some regularity. Before that, remember it was Javale, Andre, Blatch, mm-hmm. you know, Nick Young on the wing. I mean, it was the the, the horror show. <laughs> the three little idiots, like some horrible fairy tale. <laughs> Um, Three little idiots, and and so, but but like so, you saw a little bit at the end of the year, but you also could have said, well, it's fool's gold. It was the end of the season; nobody was really playing hard against them. And I just love the fact that their D has matured. I love the fact that Whitman has kept them playing D, and I love the fact that John Wall, and this is, I think, a pretty new thing, has become a ball hawk of a defender on the ball. It, it's fantastic to watch as a Wizards fan. And frankly, I'll say this too, if you're just an NBA fan, you have NBA ticket, I mean, the Wizards should be on the top of your list if you got a night to watch some ball.
0: You, you talk about adding Nene and really also mostly who they subtracted. It's kind of the addition by subtraction in the sure. fall season. I really like what they did in terms of putting pieces around Wall because also there were guys coming in. Like O'Gallagher, and, and then they could really kind of help him become a professional too, and just in general. And one thing I thought that was fascinating was Randy Whitman just recently came out and said they're gunning for ninth place. And obviously that that's really rare. I don't remember the last time an NBA coach said, "Let's try to get ninth place. We're not going to make the playoffs, obviously, but we're not, and we're not going to necessarily get a better draft pick. Obviously, a lottery, who knows?" But it, I really like what that says about the team mentally yeah. that they're going to try to do that and put it on the table. It's very professional of them.
1: And look, I mean, I, I'm the first person to trash Ernie Grunfeld. I mean, I mean, I'm like sitting in front of my TV when Jan Vesely was drafted, like, please take Kawhi Leonard, <laughs> like Chris Singleton drafted. Please take Kenneth Fareed. And I know I wasn't alone in this. I mean, I think he's just just so terrible in so many ways, and we should call him out for that. But these two decisions, one, sticking with Randy Whitman, and two – not going by what was the basketball conventional wisdom, which said, well, John Wall, at best, is just a good piece in a puzzle, but not someone you build around, and actually rejecting that consensus. Now, granted, you could argue that his job depended on rejecting that consensus. Like, he had to keep going, like the guy he chose to be number one overall was worthy of that pick. But still, it has worked out. And, you know, good for good for Ernie Grunfeld, because as a Wizards fan, it's like, I want Ernie Cronfeld to go down as the greatest GM in history. That ain't going to happen. But if he does, it means I'm watching winning basketball and we're going deep in the playoffs.
0: And looking forward to next year because the Wizards right now with ball, 24-19 and 19 on the season. That percentage, 50.558, would give them the sixth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Looking forward to next year. What's the one thing that they they need to add? Because looking at the roster, I mean, I, I like what they have in Wall, regardless of how well he does from three point range. Obviously, Bradley Beals are shooting guard of the future. They got Nene, Okafor. They have some size. I think it's the wing player that they need. Is that what they're going to be going mm-hmm. for in the draft?
1: No, absolutely. I mean, Trevor Ariza just ain't going to cut it. Um, they, you know they, Remember there was almost that trade between Trevor Ariza and Karam for Karam Butler. Mm-hmm. We need like Karam Butler circa two thousand six. That's who we need. I hate to be a jerk about it, but we need Kawhi Leonard. That's who we need on this team. Um, We need a D who can defend, a wing who can defend, and who can also shoot. Uh, Kawhi Leonard would fit that bill. Obviously, we're not going to get him. Um, This draft I find very interesting. A lot of people are calling it a low-talent draft. I don't agree with that at all. I just think it's a draft of great uncertainty where if you have terrific scouting, you might get a perennial all-star from this crop of players coming out. The problem, of course, is that we have Ernie Grunfeld doing our drafting, so I don't know why <laughs> I would have confidence that they would pick something good. But, but you're absolutely right. Like a big wing who can defend, like a, a Trevor Ariza who's not Trevor Ariza, that's what I'd love to see on this team.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't think the draft is necessarily that great, but I think it's fairly deep compared to some past years. They can go 10-12, and the value might be there exactly.
1: at, at least. But I mean, they the thing they about don't have- NBA drafts. It's like if you go back and you look at NBA drafts. There are drafts people called weak, drafts people call strong. But at the end of the day, with, with rare exceptions like 1996 and 2003 being rare exceptions, you go back and look at a draft, I mean, they tend to all be the same in the watch. You get a smattering of all-stars. You get a smattering of greatness, a smattering of great role players, and a smattering of and I, there's no reason to expect this year. Certainly, it's not going to be historically good. We all agree on that. But I don't think it's going to be historically bad either. I don't think it's going to be, you know, Marcus Pfizer and uh, <laughs> <laughs> like that particular draft.
0: Michael well, Olajuwon is not so going to be coming out.
1: <laughs> yeah, those, yeah, those players are so terrible. I'm, not, I'm even blanking on their name. Darius Miles, Marcus Pfizer. It's not going to be that <laughs> draft either
2: yeah and you know Rajan Ronda was you know the twenty first pick you know in in two thousand and six so mm-hmm. you can definitely get the diamonds in the rough. And, and of course, the, the Wizards will be in the lottery, so they'll be having a, a better chance at a higher pick. You know, you're saying, um, as far as Rondo, you you alluded to him earlier. You know, as far as the Celtics team going forward, can Rondo come back and adapt to this new philosophy that Doc Rivers... Doc Rivers has been great on the fly at changing this team. And they've had some bumps in the road with all these injuries. But going forward, is Rondo going to have to change his style of play?
1: Oh, yes, or he's gone, or he's wow. out of there. I mean, the the worst thing is for for any superstar to see is that they might be expendable and i think so rajon rondo's got one of two choices like he can either adjust and figure out how he can get in and fit in and he can accept the fact that you know before the season began and i'm on this list too i put money on uh and i'll say figurative money i guess but no i I put money on um like it was a decent long shot rajon rondo for mvp it's like, I like the new possible. Jesus coming to the Celtics. It's like if he has a – you know, because there's this idea that this – now it's not even a big three situation. This is Rondo's team. That's not the way it's going to be going forward unless he makes it his team by actually showing – first of all, he can hit a, hit a shot consistently and adjust with the current system that Doc Rivers has put together. And, my God, it's it's never a good sign for a superstar where the team actually seems liberated and unshackled when you're gone.
2: Yeah, It's such a tough situation for this type of Celtics team because, you know, you lost Sellinger, you lose basically everybody, and now the Celtics are playing the Cavaliers with their second unit on the Friday night. And, you know, the Wizards basically had to do that where they've had injuries all over the place, and then Bradley Beal goes down, but at least they weren't in contention, I guess, because if they were, that would have been a crushing injury.
1: Yeah, the thing is, it's like when your team goes down the tubes. Like when Wall was gone, if the Wizards had been like over 500 and kicking butt, then it becomes a question of why do we need to keep John Wall? Mm -hmm. You know, what was he really bringing to the table? So it it is important, I think to, to sometimes really do a start assessment of the value of a superstar. Now Rondo makes a good check. He's obviously got insane talent. He's got that hot and cold thing where he seems to play so much better on national TV. But you know, let's see, let's see what happens after this off season. I think um, he's obviously got an incredible brain, and he's got an incredible physical skills. So there's no reason why he shouldn't be able to fit in and be in Boston for years to come. But if he pushes back, I don't think Danny Ainge is going to have much patience for him.
0: He's already shooting from the field. We saw him in a massive knee brace. That would be quite a recovery if he can go back for the beginning of the season. I hope they don't rush him. He's not making too much money, so I think it's economically feasible to keep him. I mean he'd make about ten million a year, which for someone I guess of his ability, it's fairly good. good We really appreciate you taking time out of your Sunday afternoon Dave for joining us. Thank you so much. And before we let you go though, before we let you go, Celtics are hosting the Wizards tonight in just about a half hour. Do you have a prediction Mm -hmm. for us?
1: Yeah, Wizards will win by
0: seven. (laughs) <laughs> all Let's right, sounds great. You can follow him at Edge of Sports on Twitter. A great follow. A wonderful book you should get, Game Over, How Politics Has Turned the Sports World Upside Down. Really fantastic, and some strong words about Rondo. I was a little surprised. I, I In the way that you phrased the question too, Adam, I'm not sure if he means that all Rondo needs to do is learn how to shoot threes or if this is something where he needs to learn how to play with the ball in his hands less. Because in a way, that was what he was supposed to do. Doc Rivers oftentimes would never call him plays. Rondo just ran the offense by himself. He did so much on the court. It was such a unique circumstance how the Celtics played with Rondo on the court. Uh, I think it's really hard to compare to any other situation.
2: Absolutely. It's such a weird situation because not too often can a team do that. You, know, you have the Spurs who are able to play without Tony Parker here and there. But that's because, you know, they have a lot, they have a system that can change just off, you know, it's amazing what Greg Popovich can do. And Doc Rivers has been on the fly just like that. He's changed it, and he said, you know, this team actually didn't need a point guard after Rondo went down. They were okay. He needs to have the ball in his hands less. I think I completely agree with that.
0: And I think a lot of people do. It, it, it's the way that the team was constructed beforehand in a way where he could have the ball in his hands a lot and Ray Allen would get about 14 screens on a play and kind of wait for him to be open. He pass it him. boom, he hits there. Paul Pierce might get a couple of screens at the top of the elbow. Get to him, see what he does. Same with Kevin Garnett. It, it's the way the offense was kind of constructed. But does that change? And you have guys like Jeff Green. You have guys like Sollinger who really can start to command the ball. And these sort of iso situations with the Celtics never really did too much of aside from Pierce and Rondo simply won't be able to have the ball in his hands as much. I find it hard to believe that they would that they would trade him. In a way, essentially, if you trade him, I think you're almost starting from scratch again. Because I mean, assuming this might be the last year possibly for Kevin at Paul Pierce, we don't know. Maybe one more year, but you're essentially starting over if you trade him. And, dep- and depending on what you get we've seen it's kind of difficult are you going to be able to get another guard type player for rondo or are you going to be able to get a big man who can come in and do what he does he just he's such a unique player that it's it's hard to find value comparable to him because i mean he's a point guard who can make any pass in the league he also can average when he wants to like in the playoffs average almost 7 rebounds a game that's ridiculous
2: Absolutely. Uh, It's a tough situation because value is a key word there. You hit right on it, and that's exactly what I was going to talk about. The problem is there is no one out there outside of Chris Paul that I think I would take as far as the point guard position. And then you know, the Celtics have been struggling at point guard and center without Rondo and pretty much overall since Perkins has left. But the Celtics arguably have won that trade because Jeff Green could be – a, you know, I I've, I think you had said a better than poor man LeBron when I brought it up before. Yeah, yeah. So it's possible that Jeff Green is arguably a top 20 player within the next few years. That's the reason why they just need the point guard of the center to fill out this team. And Rondo's there. Now they just need to look for the center. I just don't think he'll be able to get the value, though, in training Rondo.
0: And, and like Dave also brought up, he's a very smart player. He'll be able to adjust it, whatever adjustments he needs to make. And a lot of times... It kind of happened with Wall, and this is a little different because Rondo um, has had some relative adversity to face, but having time away, injury. And a way to evaluate the team, like, okay, this is the team without me, this is where I fit in, and this is maybe what's going to be best for me, this is how the pieces maybe can work, because obviously we haven't seen Jeff Green, and again, a lot of the stuff with Jeff Green has to be attributed to his health, now he's finally healthy, but Jeff Green never looked like this with Rondo, maybe he sees, okay, this is a different way I can utilize him to the best of his ability, because... I kind of agree with you. I think Jeff Green could be a top-20 player in the next few years, depending on what he does, depending on the consistency of minutes. That's what we've seen a lot. We were talking about that in the first segment, how he's starting, averaging about 26 points a game just over. That would put him fifth in scoring for the season in the entire NBA. This is a guy who, when he, I think he feels like he has the confidence and that he is starting, When it's all there mentally and it's just a clear path and you just go play basketball, he can really excel.
2: Yeah, it's he's amazing, and he has carried this team. I talked about it a little bit in that first segment. Yeah, it's amazing what he's done. It's just being a complimentary piece, and even coming off the bench at times will be tough for this guy because getting into rhythm so big. But Doc says he's earned the spot in the starting lineup, and I think that's where he thrives. It just depends on what lineup, what big lineup or small lineup Doc wants to go with. and Most likely, it's going to be the small lineup, except for against a team like the Pacers. They're going to need this start, you know, this big. I mean, the small lineup against the better teams like they Heat, where they don't rebound much, because Jeff Green's going to be able to patrol that fourth position and be a huge defender against the Mellows and LeBrons. That
0: is the wise words of Stats Adam. Adam you. You can follow him at Stats Adam. You can follow us on Twitter at Celtics underscore beat. We are on Facebook as well. We have a Facebook page slash Celtics beat. We are usually on the air from 6 to 7 on Sunday today, a little bit early because the Celtics game is tipping off in just about 20 minutes. The Celtics coming off a loss to Cleveland at home, and they have a couple more, one more game at home before they go on the road to face Miami and Orlando. Overall, six games left on the schedule. They're two games above Milwaukee for the seventh spot, they're two games behind Atlanta for the sixth spot, which would be interesting if they could possibly jump up. Atlanta's not playing very well themselves. They've lost three straight, four of six in their last ten themselves. That would be really interesting if the Celtics could go up because right now, I don't think anybody wants to play in New York, or I don't think Miami does. OKC probably doesn't <laughs> want to see New York. They're the hottest team in the league right now. Twelve straight wins. Very, very impressive. No more impressive than Carmelo Anthony who is just about one points per game behind Kevin Durant? I think he actually passed him today. Oh, he did? I'm
2: pretty sure he passed him. I'm looking on ESPN Stats and Info, tweeted about an hour ago, 28.44 for Melo, 28.35 for Kevin Durant.
0: Okay, so he has officially passed him because in the game today between the Knicks and OKC, Anthony dropped 36 points, 15 of 29. Yes, 29 shots. That's a lot. But when you make over half, that's kind of Okay. And he 3-6 three from three-point range. Kevin Durant, 7-17 seven from the field, took 15 free throws May 13. He only, I say only he only <laughs> scored thir- 27 points. So that is pretty much the difference. That's going to be a race that's going to be so fun to watch. When we come back, we'll take a little bit more of a look at the Western Conference, because OKC might have been a little tired after downing the Spurs in what was a possible preview of the Western Conference Finals. That would be really interesting. I would love to see those teams face off again. You know, the Spurs won just another shot at the Thunder in the playoffs. This time they won't be riding that win strip. But when we come back, we'll take a look as the playoffs start to get very, very close. The seedings are starting to get clear. Don't go anywhere. This is the Celtics' speak. Don't go anywhere. The
1: Celtic Speak returns after this.
3: Hey, Mike Fay from Mike T here, just reminding you about the outstanding shows here on CLNS Radio. Jay King of CelticsTown.com and Ty Ray of CLNS Radio join forces to bring you CelticsTown
2: King of the Court every Monday night. If Jeff Green grabs a rebound, run up court with it. Just get the ball and work it up the floor and make Tommy Heinsohn proud because I know he loves that style of play.
3: Careless Whispers with Matt Rury and Calvin Shamroan hits the airwaves Tuesday night. You can't compare that to an NBA rivalry where you're gonna hate LeBron James for the next seven years and you've already hated him for five years. Tune in for the Block Party with CLNS Locker. Reporter Jared Wise and NHL content manager Lee Herman on Thursday nights. I actually really have high hopes for Chris Bork. I'm not gonna compare him to Ray. And don't forget to tune into the Celtics post game show following every single Celtics game. You can find that at C L N S Radio, Celtics Blog, and iTunes. It's invaluable how much Jeff Green means to this team right now if he can continue to play this way. That's not all. There are even more awesome podcasts available. Check them all out on clnsradio.com. Celticsblog.com. Blogging since 2004 and leading an outstanding team of contributors, Jeff Clark is the most distinguished Celtics blogger on the web. Celticsblog features a team of journalists and locker room reporters that provide Celtics fans the most unique, thoughtful, and in-depth commentary online. There's a bunch of ways to interact with the number one community of Celtics fans, Friday fan posts, fan forums, and the most popular live game chat room. CLNS Radio is proud to be a content partner of Celtics Blog, and Celtics Blog simulcasts the CLNS Celtics postgame show following every single Celtics game. And that's not all. CLNS and Celtics Blog join forces this season to bring you The Garden Report, the only HD postgame show shot live on the parquet floor at TD Garden. Check it all out today at CelticBlog.com. This is Avery Bradley of the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to ELNS Radio. What's new at CLNSRadio.com? We're striving to make this your first and last destination for all things sports. It all starts with our Celtics postgame show. CLNS is the proud home of the only online postgame broadcast that covers every single Celtics game. Along with Celtics blog. CLNS brings you the Garden Report. It's the only YouTube postgame show recorded on the parquet floor. CLNS Radio's Jared Weiss and Celtics blog's Jimmy Toscano report on the home games in high definition. And if you subscribe to the CLNS YouTube page, you can find raw post-game videos from the Celtics locker room. Stay up to date with us and text CLNS fans to 22828 for free updates from CLNS Radio. Don't forget you can call into our live shows at 347-215-7771, and if you miss the live broadcast, you can download us on iTunes. We're getting bigger, we're getting better, and you can find it all at clnsradio.com.
1: clnsradio.com, the home of Internet Sports Talk Radio.
0: South feet with Daniel Baker. Welcome back to the... So audio slave there, gasoline on a sunny Sunday afternoon. Loves me some audio slave when I'm on the open road. That's just it's just really fun to listen to. It gets me pumped up because we're getting pumped up for the Celtics game that's going to happen in about 15 minutes here, hosting the Wizards, hosting a Wizards team that really has been playing playoff caliber basketball since the return of John Wall. An- another interesting facet about this game is because the Celtics midseason acquisition. Came from the Wizards. And Jordan Crawford. He's a guy that's never lacked for confidence. You know he's going to be pumped up. And actually Michael Lee of the Washington Post, a fantastic beat reporter for anyone out there. Who covers the Wizards, obviously. And he said uh, John Wall talking about Crawford facing the Wizards for the first time. He says he's going to be fired up. You know him. I know him. He's going to be fired up. So it sounds like he's going to be excited. And we could expect a big game from Crawford, who apparently has a very short-term memory because he also earlier this week said that he doesn't even remember playing for the Wizards, which... I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing.
2: Yeah, it's kind of weird, but just what you get when you get Jordan Crawford, a guy who is a just a chucker from out there and can hit the 30-footer whenever <laughs> he wants to, basically. It's crazy what he can do. He's the guy who I want shooting a three-quarter court shot when you need one at the end of the quarter. It's amazing what this guy can do, although he's coming off of arguably his worst shooting performance as a Celtic on Friday against Cleveland, I think he went three for 14, but This guy can definitely do something for this team and possibly win a quarter or even a game for the Celtics in the playoffs because of this shot that he has. You know, the Knicks have a lot of great shooters. They've been able to shoot very well this season from three-point. But this Celtics team might have a chance when they have all these three-point shooters who seem to be a little off-kilter right now. Jordan Crawford is one of those, and he can win a game for them. He can do it. I'm thinking back to Eddie House in the 08 and 09 playoffs when you saw those huge shots from a guy who had only had – a little bit of prior playoff experience. He went deep in one run for Phoenix a few years prior, but then steps up for Boston two consecutive playoff years. And then you really don't see much of him again. But this guy, he did great for the Celtics, and hopefully Jordan Crawford can do the same.
0: It's interesting, because uh, I think Jordan Crawford's offensive game, at least the potential of it, is superior to what House had. House Definitely was much point. more of the come-off-the-bench spot of three-point shooter. And it's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. You can make a longer in the NBA if you can hit corner threes and play some defense, and that's what Eddie House did. But Jordan Crawford, we've seen a lot of his game in, in terms of what he can do driving to the hoop. He contorts his body. He finishes He's crazy finishes. If you've been watching the NCAA tournament, Russ Smith, I think, maybe is, well, I think he's a better version of what Jordan Crawford is, uh, at at least in the lane, but kind of the same thing that he can take these shots and get shots off that maybe no one else on the Celtics can. I'm not saying he should ever take those shots or anyone should ever take those shots in basketball, but he tends to. And you know what? He actually tends to make them a lot more than anyone would ever expect. And we're talking a lot about his shooting. Let's not forget his passing. This guy surprisingly has some great
2: passes off the dribble What he can do is drive into the into the key And then find a baseline driver Who is coming in Cutting towards the hoop It's great to see what this guy can do In different facets of the game And even, he's a better defender than Jason Terry is He actually stays in front of the offensive player This guy can actually help this team And stay out there for more minutes Than you think Because he can help them in so many different areas As well as, of course, what you can see When he puts that ball in the hoop from far distances
0: Defensively, I think it's because of the effort and we heard yeah. that in the conversation with Dave Zion, our guest, earlier in the show. That's what the Wizards were doing so well. And that was very impressive, especially. you got to give a lot of props to Randy Women, who is doing one heck of a job coaching down in Washington. And I think, depending on how well they do next year, if they get a top four seed next year, I think he could easily coach be in the conversation year. for coach of the year. Yep. I love it. But with a team that's bad. Because defense, at the end of the day, all these guys are very, very skilled. All of them are very athletic. It comes down to effort and consistent effort. It's very easy to play when you're on a playoff team and you're winning, and now Jordan Crawford is. He has 22 games under his belt with the Celtics, scoring 8.2 points a game, not bad at all, and 2.4 assists a game. You mentioned his passing, but also his shooting from the field the percentages is a little less, but because he's a chucker, it kind of comes down a little bit. 30% from three-point range, 38% from the field. He's a guy that really, if he can hit forty something percent from the field, maybe 43%, if he can get that three-point shooting up, he makes the Celtics ever more dangerous. And the Celtics right now would need a lot of scoring power to keep up with the New York Knicks, who sit in that two-spot fairly comfortably, two and a half games above Indiana right now, thanks to this 12-game winning streak that they're riding. And, obviously, none other than Carmelo Anthony has been just so hot. Tyson Chandler was just in this game, played 39 minutes. Last week, you and I talked to Seth Rosenthal from Postin' and Toastin', the SB Nation vlog for the New York Knicks, and he was talking about how Tyson Chandler really needs to be in there for the Knicks to go deep. He's back in there playing significant minutes again. So between – so that's obviously good for the Knicks. But the Celtics, it's interesting. We can probably start thinking that this is going to be the first-round matchup. And although the Celtics have had the Knicks numbers in the recent years in the playoffs, I don't know if that's going to be the case this season.
2: Yeah, it's going to be tough, but you know Paul Pierce steps up in the Garden at Madison Square Garden as well as TD Garden, but he loves that that floor. He loves going there in the huge atmosphere, the big atmosphere out in New York. And then, of course, Kevin Garnett stepping up near the end of his career, obviously, both of these guys. So I think... Facing the Knicks, you're going to get a little bit more intensity from the Celtics team as opposed to facing the Pacers. You just can't tell which one is going to be an easier matchup because both are very tough teams and are arguably that second tier. Both of them by themselves above that Miami Heat team because I don't know if you can sneak up the Bulls or the Nets because those you know the, the Nets seem to be struggling against very good teams. They've been yeah. able to pound the terrible teams. I think they only have like three or so losses against below 500 teams this year. So it's great to see what they've been able to do that to help their record, because the Celtics haven't been able to do that. I think they have like 13 losses or so, or 14 losses against teams below 500. So when you're looking at the Knicks and the Pacers, they're two different teams. One is a great rebounding team, In the Pacers, they have Hibbert in the middle. That's going to be tough. But then you have this Knicks team that has... They can play so well and can play so terribly. Recently, you've seen them do it so much and so great these last 12 games in their winning streak. It's just... Can they be able to continue it, and they, can they stay consistent in a half-court game? Yes. They do have the firepower to do it from outside. I just don't know if they'd be able to, and I think Celtics might want to face the Knicks a little better because they have the chance of hurting Melo with that great Jeff Green defense.
0: <laughs> Jeff throwing in the Nets record against teams above five hundred: twelve 12 12-26. Yeah, <laughs> that's, the wor- that's worse, that, that's less wins than Philadelphia and Washington. <laughs> it's pretty bad. It's pretty bad. The wow. Celtics, against seems 500 and above 18 and 20, about what you'd expect, just near 500. They're basically 500 team. That's kind of what we've seen. But the Knicks, and it'll be interesting because I think they've done a very good job in the half court when they need to. They have the ability, because Carmelo can hit any shot anywhere. He can post up. He is such so big, so strong, that when he does post up, that's fine. And we know J.R. Smith can really score from anywhere. He's really continuing his good play. Obviously, it's about Carmelo and how far can he carry the team because he had 36 tonight, 41 last game, 40 points two games ago against Atlanta and three games ago against Miami when he scored 50 points. He is the first New York Knicks since Bernard King to score at least 40 points in three straight games. And Which they're
2: the guy- only two. Only two in Knicks history.
0: Yes. And it's just so impressive because – He's doing it from shooting outside. He's not going into the paint, which it's is, is incredible. We know we've seen the only comparison I think I can make is like when Kobe decides to just not shoot for a while and just pass. Carmelo was like, "Yeah, I'm just gonna shoot jump shots all the time, but I'll score 50 points. Oh, I'll score 40 points. It's unreal."
2: It really is, and. You know, he gets his first free throws in the game right near the end when they foul him, when the Thunder foul him in order to get the possession, get the ball back. So it's amazing that Melo wasn't able to go to the hoop in this game, and I think he didn't even take one, you know, 16 feet or in against the Heat last Wednesday in that 50-point game or or one of the games. It's amazing what he's done. It's weird, though, because when when the ball does not fall, and it hasn't against the Celtics, What happens? Smith Smithings has has stepped up. That's that's really the reason that they've been able to win so many games recently when Melo, before this recent stretch, was struggling a little bit against the Celtics and against a few other teams. But... It's going to come down to Tyson Chandler, who really helps the defense. There's a huge difference between him off the floor and on the floor. I think it's about, you know, they had that good stretch without him, so I think they brought it down to about four points per um, 100 possessions that they lose defensively uh, when he is on the floor. That's how he helps the team. And, you know, their perimeter defense has improved because last year it was kind of came team kind of vulture at times, but what's we're talking about Randy Whitman. We can also throw in Mike Woodson for this year's Coach of the Year uh oh, know, for sure. Talk and and ask- the
0: other conversation that needs to happen probably, and it's picking up steam again, is Carmelo and the MVP conversation. Really? I know he doesn't do as much. At least stats-wise, but hey, when he wants to rebound, he can. Last two games, 26 rebounds. 12 today, 14 last game. A couple games before that, he had some breaks before with some poor games. But when he puts his mind to it, he can rebound, and he can really affect his team. This team is built for Carmelo to score. So I think you have to take that into consideration. And if they're built for him to score, and then when he does score, they go on a run like this... That has to matter. I'm not saying he deserves it, but I think he should be in the conversation, and he deserves to be in the conversation, at least. I don't think he should deserve to win yeah. any piece because yeah. he doesn't do it on both sides of the court consistently enough, but if a team is built for a player to do something and then he does that and then they don't lose because he does that, <laughs> just using that logic, he should be up there. But there's a lot of other people in that conversation. LeBron James, obviously. Kevin Durant, as well. And Kevin Durant just led his Oklahoma City team before this loss to the Knicks to a big win against San Antonio. And that really gives him the tiebreaker for the number one overall seed in the Western Conference. Miami seems to be locked in. They're about three games ahead, four games ahead in the loss column over San Antonio for the number one overall seed in the playoffs. But at least in terms of the Western Conference, that battle between the Thunder and Spurs... Really heating up, and Kevin Durant just had a marvelous game against the Spurs. Well, with Ginobili out, Tony
2: Parker hobbled, didn't play yesterday. You got to think that this is the Western Conference to lose for the Thunder. They are my favorite to make it to the finals to face, you know, most likely the Heat. We're not sure, hundred percent, if the Heat make it, but. This Thunder team, and in a very tough West, has separated themselves. And, of course, that loss today to the Knicks kind of brings everybody back a little bit and says, okay, they aren't that good because they lose at home to a Knicks team. But you've got to say that this Thunder team is now the Kings of the West, because Ginobili out for at least a few more weeks. Parker still not looking good. He came back from the injury recently, but has not shown it. Duncan, surprisingly, is your big one of the big three who's still healthy. And I don't know if you can depend on that one, especially since he's in the middle and you need people, young guys, unfortunately, in for Parker
0: handling the ball. To me, it's not even that you can't depend on Duncan, because I think you can depend on him, especially in the playoffs, but you, well, you, you need to depend on over. one more player. Yes. There needs to be more players you need to have more talent and right now oklahoma city they have two superstars in kevin durant and russell westbrook it'd be interesting looking into the playoffs is we'll finally see the effect of losing james harden because kevin martin's been putting up 14 points a game off the bench but who's going to be that guy if they need to win things break down very uh, big news also in the Western Conference earlier this week with Danilo Gallinari going down to injury. That's going to affect the Nuggets in a huge way. Too. I think if they're healthy, I think if Gall- Gallinari healthy, I think they can definitely challenge both the Spurs and the Nuggets for supremacy in the Western Conference. And that's an injury to look forward to. The Clippers are playing the Lakers right now. That's another game. The Lakers just fought back into the eighth seed right now, just a half game above Utah. In the Western Conference, the Celtics they're playing the Wizards in just a couple minutes. I want to get your prediction before we get our Final Four predictions. Then, Adam, what do you think about tonight's Wizards-Celtics game? I, uh, you know, I'm gonna say the Wizards keep it close because their defense.
2: But Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, Avery Bradley, all fine. Obviously, a little hobble coming back from the injuries. But all back in the lineup, great to see that. you got to go for the victory for the Celtics. They're able to do it in front of the TD Garden crowd and make everybody happy.
0: I, I think because of that, that they're playing at home and the return of both those players. And Paul Pierce really didn't miss too much time, so I think he could be in for a very big game. I mean, who's going to stop him, really? That's what it comes down to. I think the Celtics will win, maybe by double digits. And finally, we just got about 20 seconds here. What do you think about the Final Four? Give me a championship, Louisville versus Michigan. Who's winning it? Who's taking it home on Monday?
2: I guess I'm going Louisville. No idea. Just going Louisville. That's my guess. (laughs) They're a
0: fantastic team. I've had them since pretty much the beginning of the season. I got to stick to Louisville, even though my boy Ron Baker, we share a last name with Disney Cousins, maybe, they got (laughs) got knocked out, which is not safe. But Louisville, my pick to win it all. See you next week.